don't seem to work today. This word from the Lord today is a word that is meant to help us through our nighttime experiences. Nighttime experiences when everything is not as clear as it is in the daytime. Those nighttime experiences when we might start rocking ourselves back and forth trying to make sense of what has happened to our lives. Those nighttime experiences when we can think about how positive we were at one point in time, but now we look around and it's just not working for us anymore. Those nighttime experiences when we began to think about all of those whom we have had in our lives for a long period of time, but we start counting and counting and counting, and we reach that part when we begin to realize we know more dead people than we know living people. The nighttime experiences when we have to deal with disappointment, when we have to deal with others who don't seem to appreciate for who, us for who we are, I am here to share with us that we will all have some nighttime experiences. And if you spend any time on the internet or on watching television, you can realize that in some ways it is a nighttime experience in our country right now. I wish I could say that it's different. I wish that I could say that suddenly, magically, I had some words that were going to make everything suddenly go away. I wish that I could share with you that this afternoon when we gather together for community conversation and prayer that suddenly everybody's going to be all lovey-duggy, huggy-huggy, and we're going to go out and change the world. I wish I could say that it would happen just like that. And I'm sure that you wish I could say that too. But the reality is, it's going to rain on the just and the unjust now and tomorrow. There are going to be nighttime experiences that each one of us is going to have to deal with. The question is, it happened, now what? It happened. Now what are we going to do? We're going to have to deal with the nighttime. And so I believe that when we look at our text today from the book of Acts, we see how Paul and Silas dealt with their nighttime experience. Here, Paul and Silas have entered into a town, and they have been diligently doing the work of the Lord. Now, let me just take a little poll is there anybody here who believes when you do the work of the Lord that blessings should just follow? Think about it. When you do the work of the Lord, the things that God asks you to do, when you do what you're supposed to do, do you not believe at some level that things should work out? Amen. I'm glad I got one honest person in the house. Amen. Just instinctively, realistically, you get, I get the feeling. 
Lord, you tell me to preach your word. I'll do that. Yes, I agree. You tell me. I, see, I got two witnesses right there. Amen. He says, yes, I believe, Pastor Cooper. I, I'm coming running because I believe that. And, and, because you believe you reap what you sow. You, you, we, we, we believe that uh, if you plant apple seeds, you're not going to grow lemon trees. So the reality is, I believe, and I might be stepping, but I believe most of us believe on some level that if you do the work of God, then the great things are going to come to you. That if you do the great things of God, that maybe there should be some levels of suffering that you should not have to endeavor or to experience. That there should be a reasonable expectation that doing God's will, God's way, doing God's work ought to yield to us at least some benefits. And one of those benefits might be if I'm actually actively doing your work, oh God, maybe I shouldn't go to jail for it. Maybe if, if I am compelled to love people and I go out to love other people and I'm doing this actively with nothing to gain from my own personal self other than doing what you asked me to do, maybe I should not end up in jail. I'm just keeping it real. Yet in our text from Acts 16, we find Paul and Silas doing just that. They have been doing the work of God. They have been sharing. They have been loving. They have just completed helping um, a girl that they were in prayer, going to a place of prayer, and they met a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of them shouting, these men are servants of the Most High who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days, and then finally Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. She had been, com she had been compelled by an evil spirit, yet when the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. That's the backstory that leads to Paul and Silas getting thrown in jail doesn't always seem right and when things happen in our lives that don't immediately jive it does cause us a little bit of angst it causes us to at least pause and say well what the heck is going on here I, I mean I'm in jail I'm in chains and not only I'm in jail. First of all, before getting put in jail, they got beat up. Stop resisting. Stop resisting. The, 
they're beat and then put in jail. So their bodies, their physical bodies have been broken. They have been beaten up. They are now placed in the inner cell, not close to the door, but they're under special guard. So now they are treated as real criminals, and here they are in the inner cell, and it's midnight. So you can imagine if it was us. We might be in the midnight hour mad. Mad at God, mad at the jailer, mad at ourselves. How I get myself into this mess? I could have been out doing some anything else, but here I am in jail, and I am angry. Paul and Silas chose a path that leads us into a deeper understanding of what it means to walk with God. Because what it means to walk with God on the deepest level is to begin to understand that our relationship with God is not based on our circumstance or our situation. That the work that we have to do for the Lord is not based on being able to live out our lives in our comfort zones. <laughs> that when we really commit ourselves to worshiping and serving God, we are opening ourselves up to unlimited everything. It could be unlimited pain. It could be unlimited disappointment. However, the other aspect of it is if we are, and this is cool, I, I know y'all saying, where's the good news in this, Pastor? Here it is. If we are exposed to unlimited pain, we will also be exposed to unlimited possibilities. When we have God in our lives and we go through, if we are going through and suffering, we also have a Savior in the midst of our suffering, which lets us know that what we are going through pales in comparison to where we are going to, and therefore we continue to press on toward the blessings God has for us. We cannot quit just because it happens. We are compelled by God to instead of throwing up our hands and throwing in the towel to recognize that exposure to pain also exposes us to promise. What do you mean, Pastor? What I'm saying is if you go through the pain, you can also understand you're going through the pain. Having the pain, having God does not eliminate the pain, but it opens to us the promise that I will be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. It says you might have to go through, but there's still some companionship on your journey. So Paul and Silas are in jail in the inner circle at midnight, and their response to their problem is praise. Now, now, now that, 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 that takes some radical believing there. In the midst, at midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God. I, I, I can just imagine that our ancestors understood this understanding. They would be able to sing a song, nobody knows 
the troubles I see. Nobody knows my sorrow. Nobody knows the troubles I see. Oh, glory, hallelujah. That doesn't seem to go in the same song. But that's what they said. They, they, they were able to take a song from Jeremiah, which asked the question, is there no balm in Gilead? That was the question. Yet instead of operating in the question, our foreparents said, yes, there is a balm in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick so sometimes I feel discouraged and think my work's in vain, but then the Holy Spirit revives my soul uh, again. They, they, our, our, our foreparents understood they went through and stuff happened to them day after day after day after day. But instead of caving in, they were able to take, make music from their misery. They were able to take their sorrow and turn it into joy for tomorrow. They were able to take their pain and translate it into an eternal gain. They were able to stand in the midst of what was going on. And that I believe they were able to pull from Paul and Silas. It was right there in the book. They were singing and praying. Praying and singing. Mm, mm, mm. What do we do when our vitality has been violated, when our life becomes listless, when our drive becomes drab, all because we want to try to avoid the nighttime. I am sharing with us, we can't avoid the nighttime, but what you're gonna do about it? It happens. You cannot unlive anything that has ever happened in your life. I wish you could. I wish that your uncle, your, your, your Father, whoever it might have been that might have violated your sense of trust that might have happened. I wish that it didn't happen. But you can't unlive it. What will you do now? I, I wish that Sandra Bland wasn't dead. I wish that, that, that Philando Castillo wasn't dead. I wish that the five officers were not killed. I wish that the three officers last Sunday were not killed. I wish that they had left us on the African shores and, but I wish that those who have done